0: Visionary Realms presents Parting the Veil, an official podcast dedicated to clarifying and digging in on developmental direction, clarity of values, and other important topics for the upcoming MMORPG Pantheon, Rise of the Fallen. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app, and share your thoughts on today's show across the various Pantheon social media channels. I'm Minus, and I'm your host for this deep dive, so without further ado, Onward and Upward. Hey everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Parting the Veil, where we hope we're going to clarify or update information provided on various hot topics to sort of provide as close to a definitive answer as we can. For this, I am joined by none other than creative director Chris Joppa Perkins, whom usually has all the right answers. I think we're good to go there. So uh, welcome, Chris, and thank you for bringing a lot of excitement and enthusiasm to this process and to this project, which I do hope the community will love. So welcome.
1: Thank you. This is exciting. Looking forward to digging in with you. We're actually going to be discussing uh, a really
0: important topic. We sort of had a list to pick from, but I think it's the right way to kick off this series. And I'm just going to start with a very simple statement. Um, And the statement is that Pantheon is not being designed as a niche game. And it's sort of always been an MMORPG that's looking to be something new in the market. So before we even go further from there, Chris, you know what's your thoughts on that statement? And do you agree with that? And let's go from there. Sounds good.
1: I think the first place that I would want to begin answering this question is by just simply defining what niche means, because anytime you're defining something that's very Big or multifaceted, it's important to define your terms carefully. Uh, niche to me means that you're talking about a thing, a, a, an experience, a hobby, a product, uh, a movement, whatever it may be that because of its very peculiar and specific constraints and edges and shape. It It is only palatable and consumable by a very small subset of people. And the next immediate thing that I, I think of is the fact that things can be designed to be niche on purpose by specifically seeking out the things that are constraining or that... Uh, maybe are alienating for the purpose of having a very small group of of people attached to it. And then things can end up being uh, accidentally niche or can find themselves within that definition without meaning to be. And I don't think Pantheon is either of those things. I don't think it's, I would say it is not being designed intentionally to be niche, nor do I foresee it by happenstance becoming niche based on what it is that the game is is going to be. And I'll quantify that, obviously, as we go along here. When it comes to Pantheon specifically, the statement that Pantheon is not going to be either of those things, it's not being designed to be a niche game, nor do I foresee it becoming a a niche game based on its design or based on its experience, I can say, first of all, we are not interested in designing a niche game just for the sake of being niche. Uh, We're not looking for specific game design principles or approaches to game design that are going to alienate Potential fans of the game, and certain things come to mind when you talk about you know what could create a niche type experience when we when when I say that pantheon's not being designed as a niche game, one of the places we could go to specifically is in talking about the death penalty death a death penalty is something that people will you know often associate with a a niche type game or pushing towards a niche type experience because death penalties can be can be uh, very alienating to a player base when you talk about you know how much time people have to actually play games these days, depending on their stage of life. And you look at the prospect of you know losing large amounts of time and investment um, in the game. It, it can easily, depending on what the death penalty is and how severe it is, it can start moving things further towards that niche experience. But. It doesn't have to be. A death penalty exists to create tension because of these the genuine psychological effect that it has when we put ourselves in the face of tangible risk. And uh, death penalties do not have to be overblown and overly severe to create that sense of tension. And so, for Pantheon, the way that that I would, you know, circle back to this not being intentionally designed as a niche game is that we we very much intend to design and iterate on the death penalty so that it's actually serving its purpose of being a source of tension but not alienating players or over penalizing them for pushing themselves or challenging themselves or taking risks. And and the last thing I'll say on that piece specifically, is you also have to look at what Pantheon is aiming to be overall. We are wanting to create the quintessential uh, adventuring MMORPG experience. Uh, We want playing Pantheon to be the truest, fullest, deepest uh, adventuring-based MMORPG experience, where the the role-playing and the exploration and the discovery and the immersion is... On another level. And to facilitate that degree of pushing out and pushing forward and going into uncharted territory and stepping into unsure situations where you're taking risks or you're taking a chance or you're not sure what's over the ledger around the corner, but you're wanting to find out, you're wanting to push that exploration further. Um, we We have to make sure that the systems that we have in place are all supporting that it doesn't mean that there's not going to be risk it doesn't mean that there's not going to be you know cost that comes through taking you know a step too far or pushing too far beyond your capabilities and you end up eating a death and having to you know to deal with that penalty but that we need to ensure that whatever that penalty is that it's not it's not going to have a counterproductive effect on what we 're trying to do overall with the game, which is to encourage players to be adventurers again and To feel that rush and that agency to press out and experience those things. So, it's a long-winded way to say in one area where Pantheon could push that death penalty so far and so intensely that, yeah, it absolutely could push Pantheon into that more of a niche place, but that our intention is not to do so. Our intention is to find the right balance between creating that sense of tension where you respect the world and you, you know, have meaningful moments and interactions when you're dealing with the world and experiencing whatever it is you're experiencing. But not so much that we uh, start to undercut the, the actual goal there of adventure and exploration.
0: It's a great answer. That's a lot. <clears throat> a lot to digest there. So, I'm going to go back and ask you kind of a question on in where you kind of started with, you know, the not designing it as a niche game. And it's interesting that you bring that up because I immediately, when I hear that niche game comment, I wonder how you could design in a way that you're looking at such a small subset or a period of time. And I say, isn't that uh, limiting creativity? If you're going to say that we're going to try to make this game for this time period with these things, I feel like you leave a lot on the table. Do you agree with that? I mean, do you think about that when you're designing We don't want to be limited by something that was kind of set up so long ago.
1: That's a great question. And it it is very much a part of the design process when you're dealing with inspiration or you're dealing with forerunners that have come before. Uh, And that could be anything. That could be other MMORPGs. That could be, as I've mentioned before, you know, certain console era, you know, early classic console era game experiences that are very, very relevant to you know, my personal design philosophies and process, but they don't check all the boxes. They don't cover the full gamut of consideration. And they certainly don't completely in and of themselves, any one of them, any one of those inspirations, speak to and answer all the questions that come with the current time and the current market and the current moment. So, I would say, yeah, they're, they're, if, if you are tying yourself too too m- much, if you're too bound up in any kind of a a Predecessor type experience, then it absolutely can limit and inhibit your ability to uh, problem solve and to evolve ideas and and push them forward.
0: Well, one of the interesting things too is you know you could kind of reference like the whole time period of like when WoW came out, it was new, it was innovative. And what hurt the genre is everybody started to try to make a niche game, niche game. That was like, wow, the creativity right. was taken away. Because everybody just wanted a piece of the pie. And that to me, that's kind of what designing with a niche crowd or a niche crowd in mind is, is you're trying to just make a game to take advantage of a crowd instead of making a game to capture the minds of everybody.
1: Well, it's it's making a game based heavily on what you believe is going to sell what you believe is going to be the most financially successful and i mean obviously the you know all of these games are products that require teams and companies behind them to continue to be able to make them there is money to be made uh, by necessity in order to keep these projects going to keep the games alive and growing i mean that that's that should be fully and completely and commonly understood and and there's nothing wrong with wanting it to be successful either you know it it there's nothing wrong with wanting to go beyond just keeping the lights on. You know, We, we want Pantheon to be a successful game uh, and have a long, vibrant future. But I guess the best way to explain this from my particular perspective is what I think about most in the process of designing Pantheon or discussing design decisions with other designers on the team and, and just overall shepherding the design of this game. It is, it is truly about what kind of game, what kind of experience would be the most compelling game experience? What is going to be the most exciting and fulfilling and satisfying? And that's why when I think of Pantheon being thought of as a niche game, it's, it's difficult for me because I believe a lot of what we're tapping into is so much more of a shared desire among fans of this genre. uh, And that is to step into a truly immersive and overwhelmingly large and deep world as a character that has incredible amounts of places to grow and ways to grow and progress and depths of the world and the setting and the cultures that are there for the taking. And there, there are so many aspects of what we're doing that I believe to be more fundamentally and universally compelling to just the adventurous spirit, the person who loves immersive adventure, that I, I can't, in light of that, I can't say this is only going to be for a few people.
0: <laughs> well, and um, you can't simplify either, right? Because if we're honest, it's simpler to design a game to take a piece of the market. Whether that market's large, whether that market's small, if you're saying, well, this is successful, let me use just this as my thing and I'll add one or two things in, which we've seen a lot um, across the genre. You can't just do that and like you said, be successful, not just for a launch, not just to get the game out there, but to, to have a lasting imprint. Because I think that's what's missing from a lot of fans in this genre is, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about the time investment that you put into a game like this. It's a lot different. Than most games you're gonna play that you can pick up and put down. So when we have time as this as this valuable currency and we want people to invest it, there's something that needs to be there to say this game's going to survive. So your time is worth something. Because a game that lasts for one year, you look back at all that time and you say, Is this, was it worth it? But a game that lasts 10 years, whether it has ups or downs, you say, you know, that was an experience that whole time. And the question I would kind of ask based off that is you you brought up the genre. You brought up a lot of things we could get into talking just about the genre, but the genre is entitled Massive Multiplayer Online RPG, <laughs> right? And as great as a world can be, as big as a world can be, as much as these features that are there, if there's not people to play it, it's, if it's not massively multiplayer, I feel like it misses the mark.
1: Absolutely, it does. Absolutely, it does. And that's a difficult, it's a difficult question to answer or even topic to speak to because there's, I mean, making MMORPGs, making games in general, there is that catching lightning in a bottle aspect of it. You know, if we if we could all just determine these are the amount of people that is going to make the player population of this game the healthiest, so this is the amount of people we're going to have playing it. Boom, it's done. Then that, that's great. But you can't anticipate how many people are going to play your game and for how long. A lot of, I think, what we see is that that will drive game makers towards not thinking creatively, but maybe not having the freedom to think and dream as openly about what kind of game could I make? What kind of game could I be a part of bringing forth for people to experience Instead of what are the trends right now that are the most you know look like the most commercially viable, and therefore let's build to that you know let's make sure that that is is what we have going on and the interesting thing about that is uh, you know i'm not I'm not necessarily well I'm not an expert in you know studying and tracking the the trends of the market you know to as as some are um, but a lot of the games that we see, you know whether it's obviously in the mobile space but also in, in the, the PC and in the uh, multiplayer online and massively multiplayer online spaces. They're all kind of trending towards that free-to-play, getting people in the door and expecting them for, you know, some weeks or some months and then, and then they're, they're gone. And so the, the microtransactions and the way that these games are more and more being set up to support that kind of experience for the player means that they they have to be built in a certain way to kind of output enough content for that player to churn through in a month or two and get get enough hooks in to get some kind of mic- microtransactions or some kind of a fill before that player moves along. And a lot of times you see in the game experiences a, a very samey kind of setup and progression. They, they feel very familiar very quickly. I log in, I, I'm doing the same kind of things I've done in game XYZ. They lead me down the same kind of progression and the same kind of paths. And it's a different world. It's a different setting, different skin, different sights and smells and whatnot. But uh, but it's really kind of the same experience. And I'm excited for the day when a player will log into Pantheon for the first time and they start running and, and actually climb something. And that, that just like lands on them. Wait a second. Did I just climb that wall? Did I just climb that... Tree, did I just climb that? What is, what's, what does this mean? And it, and it dawns on them more and more that this, this world is, this is the most open world experience I've had in an MMORPG and the, the layers of, of like implications that that starts to have on the player. Um, or when we are able to unveil what we're hoping and planning to set up as a, a free mounting system where you're able through a, a writing a particular riding skill and other perhaps items and and whatnot you're able to mount certain creatures in the world freely and ride them for a period of time and um, we'll talk more about how that opens up as a game system you know as you invest more time in that but when when you're you're thinking about the heights and the depths of you know, the climbing and the other underwater content and being able to ride on certain creatures in the, in the world and that kind of relationship where you're able to, you know, run up to something and engage with it in that way. Not to mention the just the, the size and the scope of the world, especially now that we've transitioned to the full open world experience. Like, that alone is one facet of where we're thinking about what Pantheon could be, what, what a game like Pantheon should be, What the kind of MMORPG experience should be, and building instead of saying, you know, here's here's the subset of players that you know line up with these specific metrics, and we're gonna we're just gonna build towards that alone. Uh, It's just not the way we're thinking.
0: It's interesting you bring that up because you said you said two things there that I want to touch on, Um, and the first was you talking about you know, that small burst experience, I'm sort of paraphrasing it, but these companies that are looking at this genre, the MMORPG genre, and they are attempting to make these, you know, if we can get people in for the small burst experience and we can keep getting them back with some kind of feature or cosmetic release or big update or a marketing push, we just need people in for a small burst experience. To me, number two things, that is a niche experience. So if you're designing a niche experience, that's going to be the subset of people you want to hit, right? (laughs) So to me, that's where people are getting stuck and where the genre is sort of spinning its wheels in the dirt or in the mud is this being comfortable with just making a niche or a niche game. So that's number one. I think that was a really well put way you said that. But you also said dreaming, like going out and dreaming big. And, you know, that's really where this topic that Pantheon is not being designed as a niche game. It's always been an MMORPG looking to be something new. But being new doesn't mean everything's rewritten. It means what was good? What was fun? Where are things that went wrong? And how do we expand on it? And I think it's really interesting because if you're not able to dream when you make a game, then what are you doing? And if, and I know as as a big time gamer yourself, and a lot of the classics, if you think about game developers that you can name, they made their dreams into games. And you can think anything from the creators of Zelda to the creators of, you know, Mario to like these games, when you hear them talk about it, they're talking about their dream. They wanted to make an experience and build that. And I don't think you can do that if you're limited to making a niche game.
1: I agree completely. You know, it's funny because you mentioned Zelda and Mario and they both came from Shigeru Miyamoto. Mor- Mo- so, <laughs> Miyamoto, sorry. Um, and it's funny to reference both of those because yes, I mean, brilliant, brilliant game designer. Absolutely brilliant. But but what's so cool about him and looking at those specific games and so many others that he created is that, yeah, they they are literally... A product of an 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 adventure of of dreaming and creating in a sense of freedom to really discover an experience that is wildly fun. You know, I think I think that's what is really interesting about. And and make no mistake, you know, the building an MMORPG is the is the it, it is the Everest of game development these are the hardest games to make by sheer right of how massive they really are and so we we are still very much on this road you know i don't i don't want to be presumptuous in talking about pantheon as if it is already this success because we we have a lot to prove and we have a road ahead of us still to get there but what i do know is there is something profoundly right in my opinion about Looking at the MMORPG genre, looking at these games as a whole, and then in turn, looking at Pantheon specifically and asking very simple questions, like what makes these games fun? what makes these games enjoyable. I think we can all, you know, relate to getting hooked on a mobile game, let's say for a period of time where before we realize it, it's got its hooks in us. And we are getting, you know, neck cramps because we're, you know, (laughs) our head stuffed down and we're staring at this tiny screen, mashing these little buttons, doing these things that really don't have any meaning leading us to the next, you know, wall where we're either going to dish out some money or we're going to just... Keep mindlessly doing the same thing for days and weeks at a time until we get a little bit further and hit the next wall. And you can you can say, well, you know, yeah, the, the mobile market is very profitable, and it absolutely is. But that's that's not the same thing, in my opinion, as asking like what makes a game fun? What makes a game fun to play? And I, th- I think it's been a while since we've seen, I'd say, an MMORPG even that to its core is about creating a fully enjoyable experience even even with the
0: negatives right even with
1: like you brought up death penalty before
0: creating a fun experience that it's okay to have the down moments because it's worth it (laughs) right
1: sure exactly and a lot of the a lot of those down moments have to do with you know what you put in place to allow players to climb back up there and that's you know Death penalties, are again, it's a very big topic because there's a lot that goes into really charting it out from beginning to end because um, it's not just about beating the player over the head. Um, you know, the game over moment is a really frustrating moment. Um, I look at this kind of a, a funny example, but I look at something like Metroid Dread, for example, that just came out and I'm a huge Metroid fan and you throw a new side-scrolling Metroid game out and I'm, it's been a long time and I... <laughs> really thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's incredibly difficult when you compare it to the other Metroid games. But it's also, interestingly, the most forgiving when it comes to death and recuperating yourself to get back into the action. But what's so interesting about it is that it doesn't take away the sting of that game over, especially with the boss fights in that game. They're so incredibly challenging. I'm not going to say how many attempts it took me on any given one because it would be embarrassing. But nice. they're hard. And it didn't take away the sting of that or the the tension and kind of the chill down your spine when you're being chased by an Emmy. And knowing that when you die, like I've got a I've got a path to get back in the action. I've got a path to kind of you know get back where I need to be. And I'm not trying to equate Pantheon's death penalty with, you know, something like Metroid Dread, except to say that. It's not just about the game over moment. It's it's also about how you build that pathway for players to recover from that death and get themselves back in the action again. And I do firmly believe there's a way to have a meaningful death penalty. And it's very important. The, the death a death penalty creates a very very important paradigm in the experience of the game because it 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 more firmly seats you into the world. It, it more. It makes your experience more present and more felt and therefore more impactful and meaningful. Uh, when you can run through an area with no danger, or you can take on 20 different enemies and either solo them all yourself and move on, or you know, get, get away with no real risk, or just eat the death because you're going to use it to teleport further away. Like those things, they, they make the game feel plasticky.
0: Thank you for joining us for part one of a two-part series starting our inaugural episode of Parting the Veil. Be sure to join us for part two as we go more in-depth on this topic and hopefully clear the air of what Pantheon Rise of the Fallen is looking to be. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Parting the Veil. If you'd like to help support Pantheon Rise of the Fallen, be sure to head over to PantheonMMO.com to look at our various pledge packages. As Pantheon is a crowdfunded game, every ounce of support helps bring this game to life. We hope you've enjoyed today's show, and we'll see you next time.